I'd like you to take your Bibles, please, and turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. I'm going to be speaking tonight from the parable of the sower. Mark, chapter 4. I'd like you to follow along with me as I read the first 20 verses of Mark chapter 4. And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he, he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables that seeing they may see and not perceive And hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside. Where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. All these things, I'm sorry, all these are they likewise are sown on stony ground. Who then, 
who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time and afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth from the word's sake immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And so are they which are sown on good ground, uh, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirty, and some sixty, and some a hundred. Let's bow together in prayer. Our great God and heavenly Father, we bow before thee once again and do ask that you would make this parable come to life to our understanding this evening. We've heard it before. We've read it many times. And yet, Lord, we would pray that you would add your extra blessing to it tonight as we've gathered together for this corporate worship service. Thank you for the great God that you are who has revealed these things to us. Thank you that we find ourselves among those who have ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us in this church tonight. And Lord, I pray that you will bless the ministry of the Word of God tonight. Though we may be weary, we ask for your strength. We may have great needs. We pray that you, our great God, would meet them. And Lord, we thank you for the fellowship and the gathering of the saints who are here tonight because they love you. They love your church. They love your word. And oh Lord, would you please meet with us in a way that we would leave this place and say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord with one another this Lord's day. We ask all this and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love the simplicity of this parable. It certainly simple to all true believers. We can understand where the Lord Jesus Christ was going with this. But it's confounding to the unbeliever, as we see in verses 10 through 13, where the Lord Jesus said, was answering his disciples, he told them, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without these things are done in parables, that seeing they might... uh, that they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. Here the Lord Jesus Christ was was saying, for believers it makes good sense, but for unbelievers it doesn't. They're none the wiser when they hear these portions of Scripture like this. J.C. Ryle said this, he said, probably no other parable is as well known as this one. There is none which is so easily understood by all. There is none which is of such universal 
and perpetual application. As long as there is a church of Christ and a congregation of Christians, there will be an employment of this parable. The language of this parable requires no explanation. Just exposition, really. And so we, we come to this, this matter of, of this parable and, and we, we kind of get a sense that the Lord Jesus Christ is, is talking about the sowing of the Word of God and you might say the churchman's outreach. What we are to do as God's children who know the Lord and how we are to get the Word of God out to others. But it does take the Bible believer to have this intake of Scripture into his life. And it's one of those issues of being a good Christian is to, is to be a person of the Word of God, to study the Word, to love the Word, to make the Word of God part of your life. Bible intake is so important. And this parable shows us that there are fruitful benefits when we absorb the Word of God taking heed to the Word of God. In verse 3, you'll notice that it says, well, this is the King James Version anyway. By the way, you'll have to forgive me. I've always used the King James. I know some of you don't, but uh, not that you have to forgive me for that, but that's the, the, the Bible uh, version that I've always used, and uh, I'm just so used to it. I, I hope you can bear with me. But in verse 3, it says this, Hearken, behold... And this is the only time I am aware of in the New Testament that it is recorded this way. Where the Lord Jesus Christ is, is telling us to pay attention, take heed. Stop, look, and listen to what's being said. These words underscore the importance of what the Lord Jesus Christ is about to say about the parable. This parable, in a sense as the Word of God is, it's like a mirror, is it not? We, we, we read that the Word of God is, is like a, a glass, and we, we look in the mirror glass, and, and what do we see when we look in the mirror? We, we see that there we are, and these are things we better correct before we go out the door. Uh, and so the Word of God is a, is a, a mirror that reflects to us the things that are, that are important. And so the parables are kind of like, are, are like mirrors for us. They're, it's been said that parables are earthly stories that have a heavenly meaning. You've probably heard that before. But for the parables, they're more than pleasant stories or the Christian's versions of Aesop's fables, uh, they, they reflect the principles of the kingdom of God and therefore serve as mirrors of our own lives. And it's always good when we sit under the Word of God that we, we let the Word of God reflect into our own lives. I know sometimes there's a tendency to say, oh, so-and-so should be here today. They really needed to hear that. Or I wish someone else was here because they could have really used that. But it's better to just look into the Word of God and see what you see as an individual Christian. 
And I hope we can look at the, the parables this way. We're forced to answer some questions regarding our own spiritual status when we look at a parable like this. And if we do, we will certainly profit from the study. Where do I stand in relation to the kingdom of God? In this parable, the farmer who sowed in different kinds of soil, in effect, the parable, the parables were the word of God in seed form and planted in men's lives through the preaching of Jesus Christ and then through our ministry in reaching out to others as well. The Lord Jesus Christ reveals to us that, that the seed is the Word of God. And we know from other testimonies of Scripture that the Word of God is powerful. We read this morning how it is quick or alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And it pierces even to the dividing of sunder, asunder of the soul and spirit of the heart of man. The Word of God has this miraculous power And of course, the Spirit of God joined with the preaching of the Word of God and the study of the Word of God and the ministry of the Word of God has this dynamic effect on the hearts and souls of people like you and I. First of all, unto salvation. What a wonderful day it was for you to have your eyes open to the glories of the cross. I I remember for me it was in November of 1975, and I'm so glad that the Lord rescued me from my sin. I was lost and wandering and so far astray, and the Lord had brought someone to me that sowed the Word of God to me, and it had an effect on me, and the Word of God is still just as powerful today. Isaiah the prophet said, the word of God will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish that which he intends it to accomplish. We can be assured that the word of God is just as powerful as it ever was, as we are those spreaders of the word of God ourselves and spreading the seed of the word of God. More of that when we get to application time. But, you know, you might be listening to me and wondering... Uh, if I'm talking about you in this parable. It's always good to make it personal, but I think it's really good for all of us to to ask ourselves, um, where do I fit? You know, have I been like the one who received the Word of God by, by the wayside and it became like water off a duck's back? It was like... Um, the fowls of the air came and devoured it up, and we're told that, that what happened there was that, that the, Satan came and took away the seed away from that individual. Did you hear it? And it fell by the wayside, and you didn't pay much heed to it. Or are you the, like the, the, the type of soil of the soul that it fell on stony ground? In verses 5 and 6, we we see that that was somewhat of a superficial understanding. It it had no, not much earth, and immediately it sprung up. There was no depth to it. 
And when the sun came up, it scorched it, and, and, and because it had no root, it withered away. And then we're told in verse 16 that the, the, uh, that word, that seed, was likewise sown on stony ground, are they that heard the word, and immediately, immediately they received it with gladness, but it had no root in themselves, and afterward, when affliction and persecution came, they basically ran the other way, and we've seen that happen from time to time as well. And so the Lord Jesus Christ talks about that on the stony ground. And then he said, some fell among the thorns. And the, the, thing, the, the, the seed that was among the thorns were, were told that, that was, was choked out by the word, by, by the, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and all of these things that are detrimental to uh, the word of God. Verses 18 and 19, the Lord Jesus talked about, uh, eight, I'm sorry, verse 18 These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in. Choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And sometimes we wonder, you know, what happens to people? And so the Lord Jesus is giving us these four types of soil which are representing the the soul, the, the soil of the heart and soul of man. And of course, the last one is, is the one that we, we, we long for, we long to see, we want to be in this group. Some fell on the good ground. And it says, they which were sown on the good ground, verse 20, such as hear the word and receive it, and it, and it brings forth fruit. Some 30, some 60, some a hundredfold. It's a fruitful, it's a fruitful faith. Jesus Christ, when explaining the meaning, he reveals that the types of soil are the hearts of men. And we see in verse 15, it says, those that were by the wayside, Satan took away. The message they heard was like, they heard it, but it was stolen away from them. And, and, and Satan will see to that when he, he loves to steal the word of God away from us. We also learned that, that, uh, that we know that, that Satan is a thief and a liar, Right? We know that Satan does want to do that. He wants to interfere with the gospel going forth. And we need to be on our guard about that. We need to be, to be ready as we are going out into the fields, the highways and the hedges. By the way, in, in the highways are where, where the beggars were and the hedges is where the thieves were and I think we're called to go forth and reach all kinds of people. And we're to give the word of God out to all people. We are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We have been given the word of God. And 
It's our responsibility as Christians to be sowers of the seed of the Word of God. The Lord Jesus Christ in His sovereignty opens the understandings of some. You, if you are a Christian, it's because God has opened your eyes. You know that, don't you? We have nothing to boast about. We have nothing to be proud about. Um, it's, it's not that, that we have done anything. Uh, the Lord, in His grace, saves to the uttermost. And He does that for us because He chose us. And now we are, listen to what this one author said. He said, through God's reign over everyone and everything known known as his sovereignty, the kingdom of salvation consists only of those who belong to him through saving faith. Because they have genuinely embraced Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Believers have been rescued from, uh, from the kingdom of darkness by God and translated into the kingdom of light and His Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Moreover, they have been adopted into the family of God and no longer belong to this world system. Instead, they are now citizens of heaven, and heaven is their true home. Would you say that's the case for you tonight? If you can say that, well, there's a good indication that the seed of the Word of God has been planted on good soil and it is bringing forth fruit. For the unbeliever, the parable serves a completely different purpose, does it not? It's to hide the truth from them. That seeing they might see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. And he closes up the understanding of those who he will. For those who are on the outside of the the kingdom, like the religious leaders who had just declared that Jesus was demonic. The parables were left unexplained and therefore sounded nothing more than riddles to them. This was in an act of divine judgment of their persistent unbelief. Those who reject are doomed by God's judgment. And so then this parable teaches us, first of all, that there are some hearers of the Word of God whose hearts are like the wayside of a field. And They pay no attention. They go to the place of worship. They appear respectable unto us. Some of you may be coming in and going out. But you know within your own heart as you look into the Word of God that that you have not let the, the Word of God come to your heart to bring forth fruit. They take no interest whatsoever in preaching of the Word of God. I used to pastor a church in Chad's Ford, and we had a, a gentleman there. I think that was the only time he got to sleep 
is when he came to church and hear a sermon. He was always sleeping in the pew. Didn't seem to have any effect on him. They leave the church not knowing any more than when they came in. Sunday after Sunday, the devil snatches that good seed away from them. Week after week, they live without faith or fear or knowledge or grace. They feel nothing. They take no interest in Christianity outside the walls of the church. Even as if Christ never died on the cross at all. If left this way, they will die and be buried and be lost forever in hell. This is a mournful picture indeed. When he talks about those who who fell on the stony ground, when they've heard the word of God, they have no root in themselves. They take some level of pleasure in hearing the truth of God brought forth. They might even speak with enthusiasm about the sweetness of the gospel. They might even move their, be moved with tears at the appeal of thinking about it. But there is no deep, lasting, abiding effect. There is no stability in them. There is no rooting in them. And so they do not endure very long. Temptation, affliction, persecution, tribulation arise because of the word perhaps. Some of you young people have friends you know that are like that. Maybe you. Older people who are like this don't last long in coming to church. There is no real work of the Spirit of God in their hearts because of this seed fell on stony ground. Their religion has no more life than a cut flower. No root, so it withers away. The thorny ground. Weeds, weeds, weeds. We have just started gardening in the state of Maine. We're, you're about a month ahead of us down here, and I noticed that you all have your gardens. Those of you who like to garden, you're already battling with the weeds in your garden. You've got to stay ahead of it, don't you? And, uh, and, and this is what this, this third hearer that was planted among the weeds in the, the thorny ground. It's weeds, weeds, weeds is the cry of the faithful gardener. The crops begin, but the weeds take over and choke it out. Some people hear the word of God, but because of the world's cares, and we do have a lot of cares in this world. The longing for riches, and we can get out of balance with our longing for riches and the lust of other things, become more prominent in the heart, and it chokes out the Word of God and our desire for the things that are rich in the kingdom of God. 
they sadly stop short. Something appears to be chaining people down. And there is this work going on. Gospel work is spiritual work. Gospel work is agonizo. It's, it's agony work, is it not? We're giving forth the Word of God. It's hard work. And we should, from this parable, at least understand what we can expect when we give out the Word of God. Not everyone is going to just receive it the way we hope they will. That's up to God. We are just to be faithful messengers of the Word of God when we witness to others. I notice you have a track rack on the, uh, in the foyer back there. I'm looking forward to looking through that. And there's all kinds of helpful gospel information there that you can give out to others, perhaps people that you work with, perhaps people in your neighborhood, your friends, your relatives. We're going to be visiting relatives and friends while we're here in Pennsylvania. By the way, we consider Pennsylvania kind of like the holy land for us. Uh, We've been out of here for 20 years, but we're so glad to be back and see Pennsylvania once again. But there's all kinds of opportunities that we have to do what we can, our part, in being faithful witnesses. The Lord, the risen Lord said, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and unto Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The Great Commission is go into all the world and preach the gospel. That is our responsibility. We support missionaries that do that. We, we love to hear the reports of missionaries who are out. And this is exactly what they're doing. They're sowing the Word of God. And we can also get a sense of what they are up against on the mission field. That not everyone that hears their Word is going to appreciate it. So we shouldn't expect that everyone that hears us who witness to them is going to appreciate it. But isn't it a sweet blessing when someone gets a hold of the gospel of grace and they come to saving faith and they bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. What a sweet blessing that is. So we we just are called to be faithful and the giving forth of the Word of God. And so the last type of soil are the hearers whose hearts are like the good ground of a field. They hear it. It takes root. They really become Christ from the bottom of their heart. They, they believe it with all their hearts. Their fruit is evident in their heart and life. Sin is hated, mourned over, resisted, renounced. And isn't that the way it is for all of us? We're battling this old man, this old sinful nature. That's the way it is for all of us. And in a way, that battle will continue until we get to heaven But it really is an evidence that we're battling that there is life. We wouldn't care if there wasn't life. They truly, we truly love Christ. We follow Him. We want to obey Him. We want to do what's right. 
holiness becomes part of our lives. Sanctification, yes, we battle, but we desire more and more of it to be more like Jesus Christ. We can see that in our manner of life, our, the way we talk with one another. There's a new humility, there's a spiritual mindedness, patience and meekness and charity, all of the fruits of the Spirit that now become part of our life and make, make our lives together as a church family so rich. The farming harvest is yielding fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100. By application, each of us need to ask ourselves, where are we in this parable? As you look into this mirror, has you, have you been listening to the Word of God, but it has not, has it been choked out? Has it been taken away? As this was described by the Lord Jesus, where do you find yourself fitting in? In which class of hearer would you be ranked? With what kind of heart do you hear the Word of God? There are three ways in this parable of hearing the Word of God without profit. And only one way of hearing it aright. And those of you who are listening to it, you know what I'm talking about. Never forget... There is only one infallible mark of being right head, a right-headed hearer, and that is the fruit of hearing. Where we hear the word, it takes effect, and we go forth and labor. And to be without any fruit at all is really to be on your way to a Christless eternity in hell. The parable is simple, but the parable is parable, uh, powerful. And so let us make sure that we are profiting from the Word because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the child of God may be perfecting, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. By way of application, are you loving Bible intake in your life? Peter said his newborn babes desire the milk of the word, that they may grow thereby. They profit, they're perfected by the word of God. Have you been regular in your attendance when the word of God is delivered? Are you a faithful churchman when the doors of the church are opened to come and hear the word of God?
not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And actually provoking one another to gather together. And then this last application that I'd like to make with you this morning is, is our application about our personal outreach and witness. Do you have people that you're praying for and witnessing to? Are you meeting people and praying for them and looking for opportunities to talk to them further about Christ? In Proverbs chapter 11, we're told that he that winneth souls is wise. We are to spread the seeds of the gospel and leave the results to God. But there's no getting around it. We are to be a people who are evangelizing others. So, our efforts will not be in vain. And this parable actually prepares us for true gospel evangelism. It shows us what to expect. Four basic responses. But there's good ground out there. And we long to see souls truly saved by grace and flourishing. We pray always for this, as we should. We pray that God would revive us and revive us in our efforts to, uh, to be burdened. I think, of, I think of the burden of the Apostle Paul, where he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto everyone that believeth. He said, I would, I would give my life for my kinsmen to come to know Jesus Christ. He would give his life and his soul that his kinsmen could be saved. What a burden that was that Paul had. May God help us as we think about our responsibility in getting out the Word of God. I do confess to you that I'm, I'm very tired tonight and I'm not used to preaching uh, really two services a day yet since my recovery from surgery, but it's been great to be with you. It's good to see your faces. It's wonderful to fellowship with you around the Word of God, and I trust that the Word of God would, would bring forth fruit in your life tonight and that we would leave this place and be a blessing to this needy, lost dying, dark world. Amen. Let's pray together. Our great God and our heavenly Father, we thank you for this parable, this simple, powerful parable that tells us about the effect of the Word of God. And Lord, we would ask you tonight to help us take these things to heart. That the Word of God would find good soil. And Lord, perhaps good soil for the first time in one of these, in some, some soul's life here tonight. We know that your Word is powerful. It's alive. And you are able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. 
And Lord, we pray that this place would not only be a place for the training of Christians, but a place where sinners can be converted unto Thee through the ministry of the seed of the Word of God. Thank You for allowing us to be part, to have a privilege of being part of gospel work here and abroad. Bless this church family. Bless the members of this church. Bless the battles that we face in our ministries. Help us stand true to the Word of God. Help us not waver. But also, Lord, I pray that we would have the tenderness of Christ-likeness in our ministries as well. Bless these pastors in this church and the elders and the deacons and the members of this church. Would you please knit their hearts together in this great work? And we'll thank you and praise you for it. We ask and pray all these